0: Back to the dk steelers podcast i'm your host chris carter with my friend and co-host dale lolly talking steelers football as always dale glad to always have you on the show my man how you doing today
1: i'm doing great chris how about yourself
0: i am doing just fine and dandy it's a wednesday it's hump days we're going to help y'all get through it we're going to talk about a key matchup here for a little bit here and dale wrote about this for dk of course um, talking about the Steelers wide receivers versus the Ravens corners. Now the Ravens cornerbacks, we've known that this team had a good group for a bit. Now you got Jimmy Smith, you got Marlon Humphrey, you got Marcus Peters, an athletic group. And probably the, the group that makes the defense go right now, because it gives them some versatility in the secondary. Now, granted they lost Earl Thomas. They don't have their safety, but those are some athletic cornerbacks going up against the Steelers deep wide receivers score. Deontay Johnson, who looks like he'll be healthy for this week despite the late game injury, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Chase Claypool. Dale, your breakdown and how this plays out, it looks like this is going to be a major key to the game possibly for both teams.
1: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting uh, matchup because Marlon Humphrey, who's their best corner, uh, will travel into the slot when the Steelers put more than two receivers on the field. Uh, so that'll mean that Juju Smith-Schuster will be drawing Mar- Marlon Humphrey uh, in the slot. Uh, you know, and they'll have Jimmy Smith on the outside with Marcus Peters on the other uh, side. And I would expect that the Ravens would probably want uh, Marcus Peters matched up on Chase Claypool in those situations, which means that then you have Deontay Johnson with uh, with Jimmy Smith, and to me, that's that's a matchup that that I like if I'm the Steelers right now, in fact, you know, one of the things that I might do if I'm the Steelers is go play some four wide receiver sets, um, you know, or even use, uh, you know, if you use Eric Ebron as that fourth receiver uh, to kind of force the Ravens into the matchups that you want, uh, that would mean maybe splitting Ebron out beyond the, uh, the wide receivers and see if you can get one of the Ravens safeties or linebackers. Uh, either they go out and match up with Ebron, which is going to be a, a mismatch, or the Ravens kick one of the, the corner out, who's on that side, out to, to, to cover Ebron, and they put a linebacker or safety on, let's say, uh, Deontay Johnson uh, in that situation.
0: No, I get that. That makes a lot of sense. You, you, but that would be, you're right. That would be a way for the Steelers to stretch them out, force them into some tougher matchup decisions. Uh, and that's what the Steelers' versatility in the offense has allowed them to do. Uh, especially, again, with their, with their problems at safety right now, not you know, losing Earl Thomas and the guys that they have back there. Uh, you know, this could be a chance to get those mismatches and also get some one-on-ones. You know, we've, talked, we've talked about this before, Dale, um, when they brought Marcus Peters along last year. Uh, you know, Marcus Peters is an opportunistic quarter, cornerback, but he's not the consistent guy that locks everything down. And him versus Chase Claypool, to me, seems very interesting. As far as a, as far as big play capabilities, if Claypool's able to get the best of them on on a few routes or such,
1: yeah, I think you'll you know you'll see some the Steelers try some double moves against him. Uh, he likes to bite on those um, you know those top three cornerbacks have only given up two touchdown passes this year, and uh, he's given up both of them um, you know he's <laughs> a he's a feast or famine cornerback uh you know their safeties they really don't have a true post safety uh, somebody that you want back there. Uh, you know, playing a, a true free safety positions. They, they really have a couple of strong safeties. Uh, the other thing that spreading them out would do uh, would be to take away some of those blitzes that they want to run. The, the Ravens like to, to overload sides and, and do things of that nature. Uh, if you take the, the cornerbacks and, and put them out wide and force them to be farther away from the line of scrimmage and maybe take a safety out of the box as well, um, you know, it, it's going to be more difficult for the Ravens to blitz.
0: Right. And that, that's the thing. You force them to move those pieces. You'll be able, Ben Roethlisberger will be able to see where those blitzes are coming from, if they're able to come at all. And then that allows him to say, okay, I'm attacking these parts of the field. Um, and something that we've talked about, you know, as far as leading into this entire season before the Steelers even, you know, lined up with the Ravens to play soon. Uh, we've talked about how the Steelers could attack the middle of the, the Ravens defense, because that's where they've gotten soft. You know, they, 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 uh you know, they, they don't have uh, – they, they don't have that inside presence. You know, Patrick Queen has stepped in at linebacker uh, as a rookie, but he's still on, on a serious learning curve. Um, you know, like you said, they got their safeties. You know, LJ Fort's, you know, you're playing in that position. They have Malik Harrison out there. But um, this seems to me like a, an opportunity for – like you said, if they bring out those, those bigger wide receiver sets or if they bring out Eric Ebron and run him over the middle – that seems like the opportunity to really slice through this secondary, even if you're getting Marlon Humphrey in the slot on Juju.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Ravens aren't, uh, you know, a, a shutdown defense. I know they're scoring-wise, they're, they're doing very well, but they, you know, they shut down the Browns in week one. Uh, they held the, the, the Bengals to three points in, in a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so their scoring average is, is down because they, they shut down two offenses. Well, the Steelers shut down the Browns as well. Uh, you know, so, you know, that that's apple, apples to apples in that situation. Um, so I, I think the Steelers can move the football against these guys. Uh, they, they do give up 109 yards rushing per game. So I think the Steelers can have some success on the ground as well. And I, I, I want to see Queen in coverage. I want I try to try to confuse him a little bit in coverage because, you know, we saw it with Devin Bush last year. Um, young linebackers will struggle in coverage. Uh, you know that's just the, the nature of the of the business the beast. and Queen's a guy who only had one year of starting experience at LSU. So I want to see him tested uh, early and often.
0: I'm right with you there. I think that would make a lot of sense put put the pressure on him to adjust and, and rise up in those moments. The Ravens ranked towards the bottom half of the league in stopping the pass this year. two hundred and thirty point eight uh, yards per game through the air allowed so far. Um, The Steelers much better at 217.5 right now, but you're right. Also that running game is going to come into it, come into effect. Do you think this is also a game where, because of those cornerbacks that maybe those jet sweeps to chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson might produce a little bit more because you're going to force those guys to move around. And if the Ravens try to go to zone, you're going to force those guys to move around. And then you're also going to be testing those middle guys to sort of pass those, those guys off on those jet sweeps.
1: Yeah, there's some potential for that because this is an aggressive defense, and if you can get them, uh, you know, moving one way and get the ball going another, you can maybe have some success against them.
0: I think there's a few op- more than more than a few options here for the Steelers' offense for sure, Dale. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Ravens and a trade that they made, and the trade deadline approaches in about a week, so we've got to talk about what's going on there. All that right after this. K Steelers podcast. I'm your host Chris Carter with my friend and co-host Dale Lolly. Dale the Ravens traded to get Yannick Ngakwe our good old buddy from the Jacksonville Jaguars and they're getting the band back together because now he's with Calais Campbell on that defensive front. Before we get into more bigger picture trade talk here do you think that this is a big trade for the Ravens defense and that it provides them with a boost that it's going to change how their defense is operated this season?
1: Well, I don't know if it gives them a big boost, but it certainly uh, gives them better than what they had out there. I mean, he's certainly a better player than Pernell McPhee, uh, who had been starting opposite Matthew Judon. Uh, to me, Judon's just a guy. Uh, you know, he's an opportunistic uh, sack guy. Um, they'll get him coming free a lot on, on some of the blitzes. And that's what the Ravens do. Uh, they they scheme things up to get to the quarterback because they really don't, don't didn't have a guy uh, who can beat somebody one on one. I know Campbell has four sacks this year, but three of them came two weeks ago against the Eagles, uh, where he just took advantage of a good matchup. So they really don't have that one pass rushing guy that you fear. Uh, and Gawkway gives them a chance to maybe have some of that—a guy who can beat uh, somebody one on, in a one on one matchup. Uh, so I think it makes them better. Um, you know, he's never been a great run stopper. Um, I think that's where McPhee has the edge on him. So it's going to be interesting to see if the Steelers uh, try to, to run right at him, or uh, do some things there because, uh, James Conner has been running angry as, uh, as they said the other day on the broadcast.
0: Yeah, he certainly has been. Um, one thing to consider is if they get Ngakwe out there and they line him up with Villanueva now Villanueva, has – he's had his ups and downs, but he seemed like he was a lot more up the past few games. And we know Ngakwe could um, – uh, you know, can, can cause the Steelers problems in the past as he has with the Jaguars. Do you see serious problems with that defensive line and getting some, some matchups with the Steelers up front? Because we know Campbell's a bad man, but we also know the Steelers have been able to neutralize him at, at times or at least make him, make him not have a huge impact on the game. But, you know, these are two serious athletes. Like you said, Judon is kind of like a, he's going he's to make the play if it's right in front of him or if he gets an open lane. But those guys we've seen be game changers before as the Steelers. I mean, they had some serious battles with the Jaguars over the years.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a good test for the Steelers' offensive line. There's no doubt about that. But, the, you know, Ben Roethlisberger is getting rid of the ball quickly. I expect him to be sacked a couple of times in this game. That would not be surprising. Uh, but uh, I expect because he's getting rid of the football. And this is about him recognizing where the, the defenders are coming from uh, as much as it is, you know, the offensive line holding up, because they're just going to – what the Ravens do is just a lot of overload blitzes. Uh, these are the two blitz-heaviest teams uh, in the league. Uh, they blitz the most uh, more than any te- other two teams in the league. Um, you know, so the things that work for the Steelers are the same things that work for the Ravens. That's just the way it works.
0: I mean, we've heard it for years, even 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Mike Tomlin was like, they play football like we want to play football. And there are a lot of similarities there. But you're absolutely right. Baltimore Ravens have the highest blitz percentage right now, 46.1. Steelers, 44.3. Pressure percentage, Steelers have the edge there, 37.1 to Baltimore's 29.2. And then quarterback knockdown (laughs) percentage, uh, the the Ravens are doing it 12% of the time. Steelers, almost 12%, like right behind them. Um, but the Steelers have the edge in sacks, 26 to 22. Steelers still lead the NFL in sacks. Uh, and that's also with several of those teams like, that are right behind them, the Buccaneers, the Eagles, and the Rams, all playing seven games, one more than the Steelers right now. I, I look at this as, a, as some serious opportunities for the Steelers just to assert themselves. If they take away that pass rush and they're able to attack the middle of the defense, you could see some some rhythm pick up for this Steelers offense. The way it looked like the rhythm was picking up last week early against the titans i guess is there a big takeaway that you have right now for the steelers offense as far as what they need to focus on to make them you know to, to get back to that level of consistency which i mean they didn't lose it too much it's just they had one half where the titans just made some plays on them but as far as like where, where do you think that they're going to go to to find their bread and butter this game
1: chris i have no idea because it changes from game to game and that's the that's the great thing about the what they're doing offensively right now. Um, you know, if you take one or two things away from them, uh, they've got other things that can pick up the, the slack there. So, uh, you know, they, they've shown that they can be a down-the-field passing team if they want. Uh, they seem to prefer to play it, uh, you know, more quickly and get the ball out of Roethlisberger's hands quickly. They've shown they can run the football. So, I, I don't know. If I'm the Ravens right now, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not really looking forward to, to that part of this matchup.
0: Yeah, I think it could be something considered. But you know, back to the whole trade aspect. Yannick and Gakwe got traded to the Ravens—a big move for them, um, as far as at least you know, just getting a big name about, on the team. A lot of people, of course, are t- saying the Steelers used to trade for this guy, trade for that guy. Now you and I both know they're not trading for a J.J. Watt or Stephon Gilmore. All those people stop people. I, I, people stop talking about that. And uh, I, I'll get to that more in my uh, my don't get me started segment. But um, as far as The the you know actual moves is there any move that you think the Steelers might even consider for this trade deadline? Because to me, they're still protecting the salary cap. The only thing would be a low-level player costing a very low-level pick if they find something that works somewhere.
1: Yeah, I just don't see anything happening right now. I mean, really, the only hole is it is it inside linebacker, and you know you can you can cover up for that. Uh, You know they've they've got guys that they can play there. Um, you know, you mentioned the salary cap, they're about 9.2 million, uh, under this year's cap and they want to keep it that way because they can roll that cap space over into next year, uh, you know, for whatever they don't use. So you, they, they want that cushion. They want to be able to, to save that cap space. So, you know, I just don't see many moves that would make a lot of sense for them. Um, you know, I was looking over the inside linebacker list. Uh, of guys, and, and the only person on an expiring contract that would even interest me would be Gerard Davis uh, from from the Lions. And the Lions just made a trade to acquire Everson Griffin, so they're they're thinking that they have a chance to to win. They're not going to be sellers here, and so I just don't see the Steelers making any moves.
0: Yeah, I, that's the thing is that any any major name linebackers that you've seen play athletically and play the way that the Steelers would need at least for this year to replace Devin Bush, they're all getting paid or they're on teams that love them right now. Like, you know, you're not getting a Darius Leonard. You're not getting, you know, I I had one person ask me about miles Jack. and I'm like, miles Jack's got money tied up for the next four years. You're not trading. He's making
1: $8 million this year for God's sakes.
0: Yeah. And and I think it goes up to like 15 or something over the next few years. Like like you can't, you have to, it's not just what they make now, even too. It's also what they're going to make over the next few years. And, you know, we've talked. We've talked about all offseason. We'll be talking about it again once this season's over. What do the Steelers do free agency? You know, how do they, how much do they pay T.J. Watt? You know, where does Bud Dupree go because it's most likely he can't stay in Pittsburgh? You know, what do they do with Juju Smith-Schuster, James Conner, and other players that they got to consider? They've got all those questions. You throw in another big name middle linebacker, inside linebacker, just to replace Devin Bush because he got hurt this year. You're, you're throwing all of that out of whack, and you know who knows what the results might be
1: Yeah, I agree. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to uh, to you know s- tie up a lot of salary cap uh, money if it say costs you cam Sutton next year or something like that.
0: I agree you, I think you go with the guys that you're building chemistry with, and who's to say that they won't find someone in the draft this year uh, maybe to help address the depth in that position. Dale. Thanks so much for, as always, coming on the show. We're going to throw it to one more quick break, and when we come back, if you don't get me started. Welcome back to the DK Steelers podcast. I'm Chris Carter and you're listening to Don't Get Me Started. Don't get me started with all y'all people out there trying to play like this is Madden with your general manager decisions about what the Steelers should and shouldn't do. This is Don't Get Me Started, the rant segment of the DK Steelers podcast. Now, this is coming from a place of love. I'm trying to help y'all out. And I know it ain't all 'all. y'all, it's a select few that try to do this, but this is to all the people out there that want to, that think that football and general managing and signing players and trading players and building a team is just as simple as putting together a team in a video game like Madden or, you know, like a trading card game where you're you know, trading players around, and ooh, I can get this guy, plug him in, and get this out of him, and he's going to fit so well, and no, it don't work like that, now I say this because a few reasons, one, you know, it's, the trade deadline is here, it's week eight, so everyone's hustling and trying to say, what if the Steelers trade for this, what if the Steelers trade for that, and the latest, of course. Well, not the latest. This guy's been on the list. J.J. Watt. Everyone wants to trade for J.J. Watt. I understand it. The Steelers have Derek Watt. The Steelers have T.J. Watt. I get it. And J.J. Watt's a great player. He's a great leader. If In the dream world, yes. It would be wonderful for the Steelers to put him on the roster. And he would be a huge addition to what they do. But let me stop you right there. Because... J.J. Watt makes way too much doggone money, even if the Texans wanted to trade him. Yes, the Texans are in in a rebuilding situation right now. They're stinking up the joint this year. They're not playing well. Um, They've got young talent they need to build around, like Laramie Tunsil and Deshaun Watson, and J.J. Watt doesn't fit that bill, but J.J. Watt also makes $15.5 million a year. Now, sure, this, he has one more year under contract and next and that's the other thing next year he makes 17.5 million dollars a year we don't even know what the salary caps going to be and the Steelers are already under what we project it to be even if it's going if it's going to be the same or lower we don't know and y'all want to sign tr- or trade for JJ watt just know that, that no don't make sense no and the defensive line is fine they've got TJ they've got bud they've got They've got it, Cam. They've got Stephon. Alou Alou's been a great depth guy. Just no. Don't do it. The latest one was when the rumor popped up in the interwebs that Stephon Gilmore, this the, the reigning defensive player of the year and the guy who played the cornerback for the New England Patriots, because now, now they're talking about maybe the, the Patriots will want to trade him. That No, that wouldn't work. Right now, his cap number for the Patriots is twenty-three million dollars. Now, you could potentially make it work this year because his—I believe—the Steelers would only have to carry about six million dollars of his contract because seventeen point eight million dollars of that money is uh, dead money that's stuck with the Patriots. But next year, then he's—he's he's got a cap number of sixteen point four million dollars, and then you got all these. Other, just no... The defense is fine. They don't need to go out and get a superstar. If they trade for anything, it needs to be lower-depth players, guys that are filling roles, You know, maybe a way-down-the-line backup inside linebacker to help the depth there with the absence of Devin Bush. And it wouldn't be someone that costs a lot of money. And most likely, it's not a person that you're excited about because you saw him make, making plays on highlight shows like SportsCenter or NFL Network or the Fantasy Red Zone, whatever that's called. And frankly... Shouldn't Steeler Nation feel extremely comfortable about what decisions are being made up there? And I think I think, part of this is triggered even more. I mean, it always is a factor for, this, for Steelers fans because every fan base wants to make these moves to happen. But I think part of this is because people are now super happy after the Minka Fitzpatrick trade because it never happened before. The Steelers never traded a first-round pick to get a, a current player. But that's the thing. They still don't, they still rarely do it. it it's not going to mean that they're going to do it all the time now. So don't think that that's now going to become the norm for the Steelers. But I say this. Looking around the league, why do you think that that, that, that Kevin Colbert should get aggressive when he knows exactly what he's doing? He knows when to turn up the juice, he knows when to go after the players. Heck, he, he brought Eric Ebron here. He's helping Ben Roethlisberger over the middle. He went and got Joe Hayden. He knows when to t- when, when to go after somebody and when they'll fit into the Steelers' locker room and work. I mean, Steven Nelson, y'all love him. Joe Hayden, y'all love him. Megan Fitzpatrick, y'all love him. Trust Kevin Colbert. I remember, I don't remember who, but I got into it with someone on Twitter back in like August or September. Because they pointed out that the Dallas Cowboys had signed Gerald McCoy, Alden Smith, Everson Griffin, and like one other big name player to the defensive front. And these are all big name guys. If you're not a big football follower across the league and you're more of just a Steelers fan, Gerald McCoy at one point was in the running to be the best defensive tackle in football until Aaron Donald showed up. But Gerald McCoy was, is I mean, he said he was still a beast when he was healthy, but he's not healthy right now. Alden Smith was looking like a premier edge rusher before he showed the world how crazy he was and probably still is. Everson Griffin, same boat, was looking like a great edge rusher until he had a mental case in Minnesota. And that kind of ruined his standing there. But the, I remember the argument I got into was because all those guys added up to all these big names that the Dallas Cowboys had on their defensive front. And if you added them up, they were still cheaper than what the Steelers are paying Bud Dupree this year. And I, I was like, yeah, because Bud Dupree's a proven player that just had 10 and a half sacks last year and isn't a head case. Now, Gerald McCoy isn't a head case. He was just hurt. Plus, the Steelers know what they have. Bud fits into the chemistry that they have. But no, the person was, I remember this person, I, I don't remember who it was for the life of me, but I remember this person was always on me. It wasn't always, but they, they were like, they'd say, no, Chris, look at the players, and this is this is the, mo- the kind of moves that I wish Kevin Colbert would make. What do you mean? To be like the Cowboys? The Cowboys that won like two playoff games since I was in kindergarten? Those Cowboys? Why? Why, 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 why? Kevin Colbert has had the Steelers relevant. Since he's been on the team since 2000. Why? He took over in 2000. Since then, they've had, what, one losing season? 2003? When Tommy Max was the quarterback? They've always been relevant. They've always been fighting for something. Even in that 2003 season, there was a point where you were like, maybe, okay, no, it's over. But they were never like the Jets right now. They're never like the Giants right now. They've always had at least a sliver of hope that, hey, even in a bad year. I mean, last year they were down to a 4th string rookie, rookie quarterback. Undrafted. Devlin Hodges. You called him duck. He was known for his duck calling more than his throwing. And they managed to pull out an 8-8 eight eight season with that guy. Gavin Colbert knows what he's doing. We don't. And I say we because I'm included. I'm not a general manager. I'm a writer. I'm an analyst. I break things down. I make educated guesses, but I would never sit here and say, hey, man, Kevin Colbert, he really stinks. You don't know what he's doing. I respect the heck out of anybody that does those jobs. Now, if you're a complete, utter failure like Adam Gase, then I'll be like, okay, yeah, that guy stinks. But Kevin Colbert is the platinum standard of GMs in the NFL. Why the heck would you go against what he's doing? So stop. Just stop. If the Steelers are, if the, if he mentions something like, hey, we might want to, then you can. Then it's like, okay, Kevin Colbert said, I'm in. Trust what he's doing. Trust how he gets it done. Because he's gotten it done for such a long time. But y'all got me started. And this has been Don't Get Me Started here on the, on the DK Steelers podcast. Thanks so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe to us. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere podcasts are hosted. Please uh, leave us a five-star review with a positive comment. Um, Doing show really helps with the show, moves up the program. Uh, We're getting more and more of you listeners on the DK Podcast Network here. Tune into DK's Daily Shot and all the other shows that we've got right on this platform. Uh, We've got a lot of great stuff to talk about uh, all the time here. A lot of great content. Appreciate all of you. Check out our work at DKPittsburghSports.com. We'll
1: be back tomorrow doing a solo show, getting you ready for Thursday Night Football.